This is Family Electric Ghost. This is episode 161. Peg talks up plural visions of light. So on the EDM scene, um, there's the idea of the plur, and uh, we've used it a lot in our our songs. Um, we've tried to uh, you know bring that imagery um, into our music because we're somewhat like we're we're not really an EDM band. We're not DJs. But we, you know, embrace electronic music and, you know, EDM is a big part of electronic music today. So the idea of, um, you know, the plur is peace, love, unity, respect, which is pretty cool. It's a part of the rave culture. And we, we, we kind of understand that and we, we embrace that. So what we've done with this set of songs is um, we've done a lot of electronic workflow going back to our hardware workflow, we were doing a lot of music with our teenage engineering OPZ. We put out the albums, um, Wretched Symphony Number no. 8 and The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in the Tomb, which were primarily done with the OPZ just to show what it could do. But over the weekend, we did a concert on Facebook Live, which we used to do a lot in 2016, 2017, but we spent a lot of time recording in the last year so um, we actually did a live show, and we like to do these live shows because it kind of gets us in this uh, mode where if we were hitting a wall creatively, doing the improvisation of doing a live show gives us a lot of new, you know, ideas and concepts. And we basically kind of like it's a re- live rehearsal, and the fans out there either embrace it or don't. But we've got almost 900 views of that show on Facebook, and that's pretty good. We've hit sometimes 3,000 on a show, but this one, we almost at 1K. So we were using, in our hardware workflow, for those that don't know, we use a Moog Mother 32. We use a, a Moog drummer from another mother and a URL rack from Arturia called a 6U. In addition, we have a Make Noise Morphogene sampling URL rack module and a Make Noise Math utilities module. And then we have the Arturia Mini Brew 2S and then we have our old standbys, and we have the Arteria uh, Beatstep Pro, which we use to trigger a Roland System 1M analog behavioral modeling synth. And then we have our Juno GI, which is our main board that you see us playing on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram videos. It's the 61 key Juno GI. And then we also have um, the JDXI, which used to be the primary source of most of our beats and our Voicoder. But we have upgraded, <clears throat> excuse me, to um, Roland Aria VT3 vocal transformers and a VT4 that we got last year. And the VT4 is really cool because it's polyphonic. Um, it has a new harmony capability, and it, it, you can control the pitch more with this actual pitch wheel. You can control the degree of pitch. So it's a pretty awesome device, but we actually used the VT3 in the concert. So what we did here um, is we have two songs from the concert that we had said in the last broadcast that we were going to probably pick out songs and like remaster and rework them and, you know, further develop them. <clears throat> and so those songs are Paddling and Rapture Pretty Machine, which I think I said I was going to call one of the songs Rapture Pretty Machine last time. But then from this show, we got some inspired ideas that are not directly from the show. <clears throat> we came up with this idea of the plur vision of light. 
And then we have this song called, there's three versions of um, Plur. So we have Plur Vision of Light. Uh, we have Plur Vision of Joy. Now Plur Vision of Joy is actually the first version of these Plur songs. And this is primarily using um, a Moog DFAM for the beat and then running it through a mass module. And then we're also uh, using a Morphogene and we're using a system, um, no, the Arteria Mini Brute 2S. So we're using these analog synths to create percussive beats. And they kind of gave us the idea. A very industrial, very kind of Joy Division-like. Um, so we were very, you know, kind of into that. We got into that kind of retro tech of the early 90s, late 80s, Joy Division. Um, you know, it's just a new order, that type of sound. So we we put the, the, then a the third version called Plur Ravishing Light, which actually changed the beat of the original Plur song. So Plur Vision of Joy and Plur um, Vision of Light are basically the same song, except what I did is I actually used the Morphogene on the Plur version of Light, and I recorded the Plur version of Joy into the Morphogene. And then use the morphogene to kind of to um, basically rework because I took a sample of the song and then I kind of was able to cut and splice it like you would do in a DAW, but using a Euro rack, we we sampled and maybe the first two and a half minutes of the song of the ver original version, Plural Vision of Joy. And what we found in the Plural Vision of Joy is really good at the first two minutes of the song. And then I was playing with the, the Moogs and the beat got a little thrown off and cut its analog, you know, you can get thrown off. So it wasn't in perfect timing. So what we did is like we sampled it and then we cut and spliced it. Um, because what you can do is you can, we run the zoom R24. We put it on record. We take that sample of, of the plur vision of joy. We run it. And then what happens with the sampler is that you can actually rewind. So we continuously run the tape and then we do some effects with the morphogene by playing the fil filter and playing with the, the time shifting and all the morphing that you can do to kind of go to break by running, uh, slowing it down and doing like a, a little bit of an analog portamento drop. And then we reset it to start again to bring the chorus back in. And then at the end of the song, we run some more morphogene uh, style, you know, sampling, time shifting, morphing effects, and use that to basically redo the song. So it's the the pluribusion of light is a morphogene make noise sampled constructed song, kind of like what you do in a in a DAW, but it's more organic because you're kind of doing it with the dials, and you're you're continuously running the tape. It's it's probably like a harder thing to do than just cutting and pasting on a grid. But it's satisfying when you get it right because you get this kind of really you get a you get a structured song that has like separation and copying, but you're not just punching in. You're kind of using the morphogene as an instrument to do what you probably do as a, kind of like a DJ. You play it, you know, you could do it as this live. This is a potential technique for the ghost is that we can sample songs and put them onto the morphogene and then run them back in a live setting off the morphogene and then run our MX1 performance mixer, run them through, you know, the, the Moog filters on the DFAM or, and then, you know, you can kind of 
in this type of mode, you're doing a, like an analog electronic DJing where you're using your, your analog and modular gear instead of using a CDJ to go from one song to the next. So you could have your sequencers on your DFAM and your Mother 32 and your Arturia all set to go at different times. We have the Roland Performance Mixer that can bring things in and out. So you could kind of fade them in because you have different channels on the performance mixer. And then on the Zoom, you can actually have whole songs on the Zoom on WAV file projects that you can bring in and out. So there's a lot of capability. And that's not even counting the Beatstep Pro and the sequencer on the JDXI. And then we have a digital recorder on the Juno. So we have a lot of different sound sources that can have different things running in a similar way that DJ functions, except that we're not spin in other people's samples where actually it's our own material that we can bring in and out and it's not a cdj we're running through our analog and digital hardware studio our, our studio and we a lot of times that we go on a road we actually bring our studio onto the stage and it's an analog digital hardware studio and you know the center of it is like the mx1 like i said in the arterial beats that pro and you're able to move things around now, right now, we're looking at uh, the Moog Siren, which is a really cool uh, development this year from Moog. It's kind of like in the – it's not exactly a Mother series. It's more it's based on the Taurus, so it's just a modified Taurus. It doesn't have the same form as a Mother 32 or a DFAM. We were hoping Moog was going to put out the Serbomonicon this year. Don't know. Maybe they will. Um, but the Siren is cool in that it embraces, you know – DAW capability and MIDI controller capability has presets. And so you could use the Siren with like an Arturia like keystep, or you could use it with an Arturia microfreak. We're actually thinking of um, using it with a microfreak and having a very small footprint again for our show because places don't have a lot of space for you bringing your road cases. So <clears throat> the idea is you can have your OPZ. You could have like the MX Performance Mixer, so you can connect to OPZ. Um, you could then, you know, have that Performance Mixer being able to move different channels, and you could have your your arterial, you know, six U mid or um, Euro rack. With that. And then, so I have my Euro rack with my analog sense, which I have like three analog sense in there: the the Arturia 2S, the um, Mother 32, and a DFAM. And then you could have the Siren. Uh, and the micro freak and the micro freak controlling the siren, you know, and you could you could do that, and you could also bring in like a key step, so I don't have to bring my Roland on the road. I have the key step, you know, being able to trigger things on multiple places, so you could be triggering the siren and actually playing in the siren patches that are there, and uh, you can to totally use the control surface of the of the key step, or you could use you know, my understanding is that the uh, micro freak could be used like a key step. And so we have a question now to um, <clears throat> Sweetwater to, to confirm that a micro freak could be used like an Arturia key step because the key step is slightly bigger, at least the bigger versions in, in the micro freak has an alternative method of input, which is the classic um, Buchla, um, um, um Printed circuit board, the PCB keyboard, which is goes back to the easel and um, some of the other. I think EMS had a had a keyboard like that. 
And we also see that with the Renee Make Noise, Renee. So we're always looking at different ways to, to do shows with hardware sense because we think, not to put down DJs, we've interviewed DJs, but we think CDJs for performance sake, you know, if dance crowds don't seem to know the difference between somebody playing a modular synth and somebody playing a CDJ. But, you know, you get artists like Yeji on a CDJ and you get different artists that can really be innovative with them. But I think, you know, even some clubs are saying that they want DJs using vinyl because there's a lot more interaction and there's been DJs accused of kind of faking it and just running through their stuff and just jumping up and down and not really being musicians. This kind of, you know, a DJ initially was just, you know, not a musician. And then when the hip hop came along, then DJs became more producers. And I think hip hop still has a lot of DJs that are very innovative in what they do. But sometimes EDM uh, DJs can be accused of kind of just running the whole track and not really doing a lot of changing uh, when they play because, you know, they got a dance crowd and that's what they want to do. But an electronic musician like myself, you know, electronica, Eurorack, deep electronic music, we go back to the original concept of electronic music of playing, like Moog said, Moog said we built the Moogs. They're meant to be played live. So they're meant to be played live by musicians that actually play the instrument. Whether they use sequencers, they use alternative methods, that doesn't matter, but they actually have to play live and not just be running um, triggers, but actually playing an instrument through some kind of form with a MIDI controller, or, you know, an alternative control method um, that you could use, like an Akai MPC or Force, with actually, you know, manipulating the sound and actually physically being interactive with it. And so that's what we, we, um, we're always big proponents of, you know, making sure musicians actually stay as musicians and not just people pushing uh, play buttons. Um, and if people get offended by that, I'm sorry, but there, there's a place for musicians and sometimes musicians are getting pushed out of um, music. And you got to kind of stand up and say, when you see musicians getting pull, pushed out of music for people who are not exactly musicians, they're doing something different. It's not that it's not it's bad, but we don't want musicians to actually play instruments and people not realizing that there's a difference between a musician that actually plays an instrument and a musician that is a producer and just is uh, running things for a dance community that doesn't want to see live music. And part of live music, I'm going to be on the soapbox, is when you go to see a band or a jazz band, if you want to see like the John Coltrane Quartet, you wouldn't want to see him just running that off a of CDJ. You'd want to see John Coltrane playing that sax. If you want to go see, you know, Jimi Hendrix, you wouldn't want somebody just playing Hendrix off of a tape loop. You want to see Hendrix actually play the notes. We get guys like Prince, you want to see that. You want to see Paula McFarlane, you want to see them play because they're like the Grateful Dead, the funk Grateful Dead. That's what I'm talking about. And maybe there's a different audience for that. The people that want to hear a song, they don't want it to be like the Eagles, where the Eagles used to just play Hotel California note for note, and were fined if they didn't play it note for note. And I think that's a really bad thing in music when you do stuff like that. So, I mean, a rock band like the Eagles, they did that. So that was like the equivalent of like running something on the CDJ and jumping up and down and really not even hitting your turntable. That's fake. And I'm sorry, if you that's how you play, that's not that's not real music. Um, so uh, that's my soapbox for that. And if people want to jump on that and say it's not cool, well, you know what? I'm from a different generation, so that's my opinion. 
so this is an opinion. This is how we do it. Now we interview people who who do do craft, but we always kind of mention that we think that EDM could fall into the disco trash bin of history if people continue to, you know, do performances where they don't actually interact and bring, you know, Euro racks or bring, you know, real synthesizers on stage or other types of instruments or bring live musicians on stage with, you know, like really true interaction. You know, musicianship is about being, you know, part of the craft, you know, guitar player, bass player, drummer, you know, vocalist, it's all about the craft. And there's a craft to doing something in a studio and then go on stage and then playing it note for note. But that is um, a different type of music that we're not really into. So we're pushing our latest record, The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in the Tomb. It's got a lot of traction. Our show itself here on Anchor, we've got over 11,000 fans now. Last time we were talking, we were around 10,000. So we're gaining traction. People like what we're talking about. And we give interviews to indie musicians around the world in multiple genres. We try to give musicians a chance to talk about the craft. We don't charge, but we are sponsored. So you will hear sponsored segments on this show. If you are a company that wants to be part of this and get into this music um, discussion across the board, multiple genres, talking about art. I talk about my electronic music, but my electronic music is inspired by multiple genres, like Coltrane, like you know, who's could do a punk band from the nineties um, or mid, you know, late eighties, nineties, um, Prince, Parliament Funkadelic, you know, Hendrix, Jimmy Page, you know, Bright Eyes, Connor Oberts, but Dylan, like I like everything um, except for certain things I think that are too corporate, um, you know, corporate based rock bands seem to take the life out of the hemisphere, out of the, out of the ether. And I really don't like hearing the same producers using the same samples or people using the same beats or the same kind of song structures over and over again just because they make money. Uh, I'm looking for artists that try to do something different. They have something to say, and it's not like 100 other people saying the same thing. Um, So that's where I am, and uh, hope you want to join us with this and and push your music forward. If you want to push your music forward, get in touch with us, send us a voice memo. Check us out on our Instagram, expansive underscore sound underscore experience. That's expansive underscore sound underscore experiments. Thank you. Oh,
Big Bam Electric Ghost in our latest album, The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in the Tomb, featuring the track Lollipop All Day Sucker. It's available on all streaming services, including Amazon, Tidal, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube Red, and many, many more. So check us out. The Lollipop video is on YouTube. All these, um, that's the f- first track on the album. So check out Fam Electric Ghost. The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in the Tomb, available now on all streaming services.
Thank you try hard. That's the people we 